This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. If your mom here today, y'all remember, like, like we, we've got some expecting moms in here. This is their first baby. How many of y'all remember when y'all were expecting your first baby? Y'all remember that? Yeah, all these thoughts of what it was going to be like, right? Oh, my kid's never going to do that. Right, y'all remember that? Y'all remember seeing that kid just totally lose his junk in Walmart and be like, that's not ever going to be my kid. That's never going to be my kid at all. Be in a restaurant, see a kid just kind of go just totally crazy, right, picking up food, throwing it. That's never going to be my kid. And then what happens? Miss your kid, right? <laughs> that's what happens later on. Sometimes I, I just believe that we live in life a lot of time with, with unrealistic expectations. Just unrealistic. We expect things out of each other that are not realistic. We expect things out of our bosses, out of our employees that aren't realistic. We expect things out of our kids, out of our spouses that aren't realistic. And sometimes I, I just think we just need to be called back to reality. Y'all remember when it snowed? Y'all ever try to build a snowman around here? Okay, here's, look at this. This is, this is what I expect when I go to build a snowman. But that's what it actually ends up looking like. Y'all, anybody identify with that? Anybody identify with that? That's for, just for me. How, now, now, we don't have pets. We're just not, that's just not our family. My wife has a lot of allergies, but we used to. And sometimes you get this idea of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sleep with my pet. And then you think it's going to look like this, but what ends up, it ends up more looking like, like that. That's the reality of having that big dog in the bed with you. All right? I don't know if y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all made a New Year's resolution, going to lose a little weight, going to get in shape. You've been working out. You've dropped some weight. And you, you went and bought one of them fitted T-shirts. And you thought, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear this nice fitted T-shirt. It's going to look good on me. And, and you get it. And this is how you think you look. And this is how you really look over here. All right. Sorry. hate to tell you. Hate to say, just sometimes our expectations just don't match reality, right? And and if you've ever ever traveled, one of, one of my favorite uh, places I've ever been is China, and 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 climbed all the way up to the top of the Great Wall, which is a large, large chunk uh, is still remaining, and it's a it's a great a great visit. And and you have this this image of what traveling. How many of y'all have ever been disappointed in a vacation before? Sometimes traveling looks like this. Like this is what the. And then you get on. And this is no joke. This is what it's like to be on the Great Wall, literally wall to wall people. This is not fun at all. Get me out of this thing. I'm claustrophobic. Right. Sometimes our expectations don't match reality, and we're living in a world where this is becoming more and more prevalent. Why? Because of social media. On social media, uh, people are posting their, their prettiest and their best moments, right? How many of y'all have done this before? Your kids are fighting, everybody's hating each other, but you finally get them to shut up and be quiet long enough to take a pretty picture. And you post that, and nobody knows that everybody was fighting. Nobody knows that your kids were being little turds all morning long. All they see is the pretty picture, right? That's all they see. And what's happened is we compare our reality with other people's highlight reel. 
Because we know that we live in a world where we're having tension and problems. And we look at other people and all we see is the highlight reel. All we see is the best of. All we see are their proud moments. And we're comparing where we are. I love this out of 2 Corinthians 10. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. See, the thing is, is that it's pointing us towards wisdom, and wisdom would tell us that you and I make a really bad metric of measurement. It's a really bad idea to compare your life against mine and me against yours. There are only two directions that we go. We either go where we compare and I become jealous or we compare and I become arrogant. There's no way, okay? Comparison does some really negative things. And nothing will rob you of joy quicker than comparing your life to others. Some of you right now are living in a, in a deficit of joy simply because right now all you're doing is comparing and comparing. I'm not where they are. I'm not where they are. I'm not where they are. It's just comparison is robbing you of enjoying the moment that you're in on your journey. Because we're all in different places in the journey of life. Some of you are at the beginning. Some of y'all ain't even started. If you're pregnant in here, you just, you're just getting started, okay? Just getting started. It's on the way to start. Some of y'all got some kids, and you're like my family. Your kids are, are little, just getting started, okay? Some of y'all are in the middle, and some of y'all are closer to the end of the race. And here's kind of the big idea of this series is that the decisions we make today determine the stories our lives will tell tomorrow. And sometimes we don't realize that the decisions that we're making today are, are, are robbing us of enjoying the place that we are on the journey. They're robbing us of, of taking the next step on the journey. They're, they're, they're stealing from us because we're choosing to compare. We're choosing to not be content. We're making choices that are outside of what God's best for you would be. See, I believe that life looks a lot like a vortex. This is probably the best way that I can describe it if you look at this graphic. See, the thing is, is that the center of our life is supposed to be Jesus. He's not just supposed to be your number one priority. He's supposed to be the center of your home, the center of your life, the center of your work. Everywhere you go, he's the center of your life. And our, and our lives are lived in this never-ending vortex to get closer and closer and closer. But the way it works is that we experience something with God, and then we have to start responding to it. Have you all ever been there? Like God shows you something, and you're like, that's going to be really hard. I don't know that I can do that right now. And you start working on it. You don't get it right most of the time. But then you start growing and growing and growing and growing and growing in it. And after that experience, you begin to respond and take the next steps. But then what happens? You experience him again. And then you have to respond. And then you experience. And it's really, the truth is, is that life is a journey that's filled with a process. And I want you to see that in a verse that the Apostle Paul wrote. In Acts 20, it's really, these are his words. The Apostle Paul is an, an amazing central figure in the New Testament church. And, and, and he says this in, in Acts 20, beginning in verse 22. 
And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I want you to see within there that there is a process of life. There's a, there, there's a process of life. And, and if we're going to take the next steps to becoming the person that Jesus purchased you, that life that he purchased for you on the cross, if we're, if we're going to take the next step towards becoming that person, we have to work that process. And the first step is this. This is in your notes today. It's we need to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership. We need to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. We need to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. He, he opens this up and he says this. And now, compelled by the Spirit, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. That, that word, compelled, is actually several words in the Greek. It's deahunumo. Deo, deo means um, to be compelled or pushed or bound to something that is moving forward and to, to be wrapped up in a movement. Numa is actually a, a word that represents the spirit or breath. And so this, this is a, a movement of the spirit. See, see sometimes we, we need to respond to the Spirit's movement in our lives. When God leads us and pushes us and guides us in different directions, we need to pay close attention to them. I'm going to be honest with you. When God called us to come back to Albemarle and, and start a church, I, I, I felt distinctly that God had spoken to me and was leading me to do that. But there came a point when I really wasn't sure if this would work or if it would work for my family, I didn't know. But here's what I knew. I knew that God had pushed me in that direction. And I knew that I couldn't risk not being obedient. That I was, will, I was willing to fail at something that I felt the, the, the pull and push of God rather than sitting back and staying comfortable. I was, I was willing to just lose it all. Some of you need to start paying attention. Some of, some of us need to start paying attention to the Dea Hunumos in our life. Right? Maybe, maybe God has kind of spoken to you before and said, I want you to help that person. You see him. You've been in that struggle before. Go help him. Go help him. Pay attention. Maybe God's speaking to you, and he, he wants you to start a ministry. He wants you to minister to a group of people. Pay attention. Pay attention. Maybe today God's just calling you to upgrade your boyfriend. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Pay attention to the compelling of the Holy Spirit. All right? All right? Maybe today uh, God's, God's calling you to join a serve group and get involved and start serving and stop sitting. And, and, and today is that moment when you, when you finally start participating in the kingdom of God. You make that decision. Pay attention. Pay attention. Maybe God is one day calling you to write a book. Okay? Pay attention. 
pay attention. Maybe God's calling you to ask that girl out. Okay, here's, here's what I want to do. If you're single and you're in the room, raise your hand right now. If you're single in the room, raise your hand. Or if you're a guy, look around, find the girls. Okay, that's who, that's who you're supposed to ask out. All right. We need to pay attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to follow him. Paul says, now I'm going, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm compelled to go. But number two in the process is that we need to embrace a certain uncertainty. We need to embrace a certain uncertainty. I love this because this is something many of us struggle with, embracing a certain uncertainty. He says, now I'm going to go to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I have no idea. I know that God's telling me to go, but I have no idea what's about to happen. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad. I just know I'm supposed to go. A certain uncertainty. You see, we want to know the details, but what if you couldn't handle the details? A lot of times we, we, we get before God and we complain, God, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. God's like, I've already told you. No, no, I need details, God. I need you to give me step-by-step instructions. But here's the thing. If many of you have gotten to those moments when it's been aha, big, surprise, the Lord has blessed me. But if you look back over the journey that it took you to get there and you knew all the crap you were going to have to go through to get to that moment, if you knew it up front, many of you would say, no way. I'm not going to do that. Maybe you can't handle the details. I love this verse, Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Notice it doesn't say a spotlight into my future. Your word is a a lamp to my feet. I can see the next step, maybe just a little bit in front of the next step, but but I don't see the whole journey. I don't see the whole journey. So what's your, what's your plan? We ask that a lot of times, don't we? we plan, how are you planning for the future? What's your future going to look like? What's your five-year plan, 10-year plan, 15-year plan look like? Here's what I've realized. We rarely need to plan for the future if we're planning to follow Jesus today. Now, that pushes against a lot of some of your wisdom, but, but let's, let's deal with that financially. Like the, bar, the Bible says it's, it's, it's important to be aware of debt. The the borrower is the slave to the lender. God's plan for us is not to use debt as a tool to advance, but really that we're supposed to be aware of debt, not get over-indebted, because we can become a financial slave to the lender. If we could just be obedient today, which means that some of us just need to learn how to live within our own means. Turn off the $300 cable, right? And it's, it's just simply, can I be obedient today? Can I, can I make, and, and some of that is, is hard. Okay, some of that's difficult. But if I can be obedient to Jesus today, Jesus takes care of everything else. See, the problem with many of us is that when it comes to obedience, we want, we want some certainty. We want a guarantee. And you get it everywhere else. You go buy a car, they give you a guarantee. You get a warranty. Go buy a house, you can buy a home warranty. Buy title insurance. But there's no guarantee in a faith journey. There's no guarantee 
except for the security that we have in the promises of God. God promises to be with you, to advise you, to guide you, to watch over you. So I can tell you this with absolute 100% certainty. If you're not living with a little uncertainty, you're not living with faith. If you're not living with a little bit of uncertainty, you're not living with faith. Like faith causes us to step out into uncertainty. Paul says, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I just know God called me, and I'm going. I'm not, I'm not aware. I feel like compelled, so I'm following the Holy Spirit. I'm embracing a certain uncertainty. But number three, I'm going to predict some resistance. I'm going to predict resistance. I know that there's some resistance coming. In a culture where everything is moving away from God, if I start to move towards Him, I'm going to experience a natural resistance. The Apostle Paul put it this way, if I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. I know that there's going to be hardships. I know that this has kind of been the pattern. Every time I go somewhere, the Holy Spirit seems to be warning me that, that hey, prison, hardships are coming. Just stay faithful. Stay faithful. God's got you. God's got you. Go. Go. I know you don't know what's going to happen, but here's what you can know. There's going to be some resistance. There's a predictable resistance. And see, here's the... Here's the thing for us to understand. If, if, you're, if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God. If you're not ready to be put on blast on Facebook or, or to have people that, that take you the wrong way or don't understand what you're doing or people who, who misinterpret the good things that you try to do for them but then turn around and twist it, if you're not ready to experience opposition, you're not ready to be used by God. It's my personal story. When I, when I, I became a, a Christ follower, some of the most significant people in my life told me this was just a phase, a fad. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna walk away from it in just a few weeks. The only reason I made that decision was because of my friends. When I decided to go to a Christian college, uh, my, my parents pulled all of the funding. God miraculously spoke to them and changed their minds. But but initially, there, there was this tension. When I decided to go into ministry, there was nobody around me in my circle that supported that. When I talked about planting a church in Albemarle, there were very few. All of my mentors and leaders did not support and did not affirm that calling. I have personally, over and over again, experienced resistance. See, sometimes we think when things get difficult, God must not be in this. God must not be in this. But I don't think that's true. When do you think the enemy is going to attack you? There's an enemy of your soul that wants to kill, steal, and destroy the life that God is birthing within you. When do you think he's going to attack you? He's going to attack you when you start to move the right direction. 
As a matter of fact, I would say resistance isn't a sign that you're outside of God's will. Resistance might be an indication that you're exactly where God wants you to be. Because it's a process. And in that process, you're going to experience pain, but that pain is going to grow you. It's going to change you. See, this process may be painful, but heres I want you to get this. Somebody needs to hear this today. But if you quit in the middle of the process, it doesn't speed it up. If you quit in the middle, it does not speed it up at all. Some of you are thinking about quitting. You still are going to have this mountain before you. You can look at it and say it's going to be really tough to get over. This is going to be a really hard journey. And you get about halfway up and you're like, this is too hard. I want to quit. That mountain's not going anywhere. You still got to get over it. You still got to go through it. Quitting's not going to make it any quicker. But I want you to see something that God's doing with that pain. Pay attention to this. That the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. The struggle that you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Some of y'all can look back and see that in your lives. You can look back and go, I remember when I went through that, that prepared me for this. It's important. It's important to recognize that when you're in the middle of the struggle. Before we go into the kind of final phase of the process as it kind of loops around and comes back to this moment. And, um, I want to I talk about the Apostle Paul. He, he's introduced us in Scripture as, as Saul. He, he's first seen as a young man named Stephen is ordered to be executed, and he's there holding the, the jackets of the men who are hurling stones at Stephen to execute him. He later as a a leader in the known church, becomes the primary person to persecute the early church. He travels, finding Christians and murdering them. That's, That's what he was up to until he met Jesus. In a radical 180 transformation, he comes face to face with the resurrected Jesus, gives his life to him, and this immediate change happens, immediate. But he continues to experience resistance. He preaches for the first time in Damascus and has to flee for his life afterwards. He he struggles to make a living. And so he has to learn a trade. He, He makes tents on the side so that he can support the ministry as he's going from town to town, planting churches and planting churches. Eight years later, into it, he has all these relationships and some some friends who have been with him start to part ways and go other ways. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to be in the middle of resistance. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He understood all of that. But he also understood this process, which is so evident in the words that he spoke, that we need to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting, that we need to embrace a certain uncertainty, and then we need to predict the resistance. Because number four, here's the thing. We can live 
with an uncommon confidence. We can live with an uncommon confidence. Because that's how he lived. With an uncommon confidence. Look at the end of, of that passage with me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's my only, that's my only thing. That's what I'm trying to do. Just, he's given me a job. I'm just trying to finish the job. That's what I'm all about. God's grace has been on me. He's empowered me. I'm going and I'm going to testify to the goodness of a God who's empowered me to be a part of a movement that I tried to squash and kill from the very beginning. So what did Paul do? He wrote by volume the largest portion of the New Testament. He started churches throughout Asia and around the Mediterranean rim. But I noticed this about Paul. I noticed this about Paul. That Paul didn't have a plan to succeed. His plan was to obey. He didn't have a, a plan that was laid out like, here's my plan for success. No, his plan was, I'm just going to obey. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to believe that God is working within me. And see, the thing is, if it's a process, you can't cheat the process. If, if, if there, the road to health is a process, you can't cheat the road to health. If the road to recovery is a process, you can't cheat the process. If the road to healing in your marriage is a process, you can't cheat the process. I just want you to understand, if it's grief in your life, you can't cheat the process. Don't quit. It's going to get painful. But quitting's not going to make it any shorter. See, you might not be where you want to ultimately be. But you can still be who God wants you to be. Though you may not be where you want to be, you can still be who God wants you to be before you get to do what you want to do. Because as I told you in the very beginning of this series, God is often concerned with who we're becoming more than he is what we're doing. There's a process that he wants to work in you to help you embrace the life that Jesus purchased for you when he died on the cross. Some of you are going, but what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Well, your purpose is the exact same purpose as the Apostle Paul. To testify to the goodness of God. That's why you're here. That your light, your life would shine as a testimony of a good God. I mean, there's some of you in here, I know you and I see it in you. I see that testimony coming alive. And it makes me so proud to see you stepping into that. That's your purpose. That's why you were made. Maybe you're like the Apostle Paul. And you're in the, a season of making tents. Maybe you didn't plan on 
having to do this to make a living, and you didn't think this was going to be your forever job, but you're in that for now. Whatever you do, wherever you go, do it for the glory of God and allow him to work the process within your heart to bring you closer to himself. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.